Hello and welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. It's fall, time to go back to school. I've got some really great episodes for you as we enter this new season, and I'm sure you're going to want to tune in. I also have an upcoming workshop, and you can learn all about that on my website, isabelbridges.com. See you inside the episode. Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. I just have to tell you how much I love this interview with Tanya Lynn. She has been a mentor of mine for several years, and she's one of those people that when you meet her, you know that things will never be the same again. I now teach for her program, Sistership Circle, in How to Lead Circle. And it's such a powerful program. If you are interested in leading your own women's circles, I highly recommend you go check it out at sistershipcircle.com. And in this conversation, we talk about the mother wound, the sister wound, and the witch wound. And I have been touched by all three wounds, and you may have too. So if this episode resonates, I recommend that you share it with someone else who might benefit from this wisdom. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe. Um, This allows other people to know how amazing this podcast is, and I appreciate you so much. See you inside the episode. Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today. So, so excited. We have the pleasure of being joined by my mentor and friend and sister, Tanya Lynn. Tanya, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to have this conversation. Thanks for having me. Yes. So we're going to be talking about the witch wound. And before we do that, I want to say happy Halloween to everyone out there who celebrates. Um, This is a really special time of year uh, that has been celebrated uh, through ancient times, and we've kind of lost some of the magic of it. So I hope we touch in on that as our conversation reveals itself. Uh, Tanya, will you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, including your business and your motherhood, and then we'll dive in. Mm, Thanks. Yeah. So I am the founder of Sistership Circle. And Sistership Circle is where we train women all over the world how to lead women's circles and actually how to create a business that incorporates circle. And so Belle has been one of our amazing trainers for our level one program, How to Lead Circle. And I've written a couple books, um, the, the Art of Leading Circle, uh, Open Your Heart, and then we have our Women's Circle Ritual Handbooks. And I am the mother of two adorable, wild little girls. Callie is eight and a half and Summer is six. 
Yeah. So you understand the role of mama. Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) Okay. So what does empowerment mean to you as that role kind of sits here in front of us? Yeah. Well, empowerment to me is really about embodying your power. And as a woman, being connected and in your body and really getting that your body is so powerful and you have the power to create anything. And really that comes from the source of power within us, which I believe is the whole uh, lower region, which includes the pelvic bowl, uh, our yoni, our womb, and when we can really get how powerful we are, that unborn spirits come through us. Mm. We are the portal. That is really the source of our power and that we we can do anything. Mm. Yeah. Amen, sister. So one of the things, Tanya, you taught me is that the yoni and the throat are so connected and that our expression actually begins much lower in the body than we would typically think. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, yes. And this fits right into our theme here for the witch wound. And so it is said that the cervical spine and the cervix uh, the, the vocal cord tissues and the, and the cervix, um, the tissues behave similarly when tested. And so there's this saying of open throat, open vagina. And I'm even thinking about birth Mm -hmm. where if you want to help bring that baby in, you got to relax your cervix and how you can do that is through making sound. And I remember Ina Gaskin's book talking about um, mooing, getting on all fours, all fours, mm-hmm. and mooing like a cow, and that that actually can help to open up the cervix. So there is a very, very strong um, correlation, and they mean essentially the same thing. But the cervix and the cervical spine mm-hmm. both mean neck yeah. in Latin. So yeah, there's a really interesting connection there. And that is where so many women are blocked, right? We're blocked when it comes to our sexuality and how much shame that we hold around our yonis. And then we're blocked around using our voice and speaking our truth, which is really related to the witch wound. Yeah. And then that shame. That's the word that's coming up for me is we have so we have so much shame. So we clamp down around our throat chakra um, and then we we don't speak. And that's part of the patriarchy doing its work is making women feel that fear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, if we want to kind of dive into this around the witch wound and and why we have this witch wound. Uh, I'd like to give a little bit of historical context and what was happening. Um, and and so way back in the day, there was this religion, the old religion called witchcraft. And now you think of witchcraft and you think, ooh, evil, right? There's this really negative connotation around witchcraft. But um, if I could just share a quote by 
uh, Starhawk, mm-hmm. and her book is called The Spiral Dance. She says that witchcraft is a religion, perhaps the oldest religion in the West. Its origins go back before Christianity, Judaism, Islam, before Hinduism, and Buddhism as well. And it is very different from all the so-called great religions. According to her legend, witchcraft began more than 35,000 years ago. And it is closer in spirit to Native American traditions or to the shamanism of the Arctic. It's not based on dogma or a set of beliefs, nor on scriptures or a sacred book revealed by a great man. Witchcraft takes its teachings from nature and reads inspiration in the movements of the sun, moon, and stars, the flight of birds, the slow growth of trees, and the cycles of the seasons. And so um, there was a book that was written, and this book was called The Witch's Hammer. It was uh, written in 1487. And this book described all kinds of vile activities allegedly practiced by witches. And it gave details of creative methods of getting confessions out of the accused. Mm -hmm. And so for more than 100 years, this book sold more copies of any other book in Europe, except for the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so this is probably what made witch hunting go viral. If we Mm -hmm. can say there was such a thing as viral back in the 14 and 1500s. And so from 1500 up to 1660, it was said that there were, I mean, they don't have an exact amount, but there could have been like 80,000 suspected witches put to death in Europe. And then that spread to America. And so you had the Salem witch trials in 1692, but this was going on way before this book was written and it has continued after, but those are like the real We could say the witch burning times, Mm -hmm. right? And so there was a message that was put out there, right? And that was, don't speak up, don't go against the status quo, and don't do anything natural. Hmm. And so simultaneously, what was going on is men were becoming doctors, Mm -hmm. and they wanted to essentially take away the power of the midwives and the herbalists and um and and start moving towards more of this western medical model yeah which there's nothing wrong with western medical right but mm-hmm. to be saying that any of these um remedies that have been used for thousands of years were no longer they were evil right mm-hmm. was just making witchcraft wrong mm-hmm. and this was essentially to take women's power away Right. And to hide your magic. And so even if there was a small amount of women who were tortured and burned, there's a massive amount of fear that's put into the collective Mm -hmm. that is still affecting us today. That made a statement. Burning women alive is a statement, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, not only may we have that actually still in our DNA, because if you can think about, we are eggs in our mothers, in our grandmothers. because mm-hmm. In utero. In utero, right? Yeah. Like this ancestral line, like it's in our DNA. 
So that's number one. And number two, it's just the collective consciousness of trauma and the fear that gets instilled in the collective impacts all of us. And that's why I believe that this conversation is so important because that collective fear and the trauma is still impacting women today. And it's our job, especially as spiritual women, to reclaim our power, reclaim our voice, reclaim our magic, and even reclaim the word itself as a way of taking back our power. And essentially being empowered to be our authentic selves, be our spiritual selves, um, and and become and be the healers that we were born to be in this modern era. And in doing so, we pass on that empowerment through our DNA to our children and our great-grandchildren and on and on and on. Ooh, I just had chills. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so I want us to move into the three types of wounds that impact um, the witch wound. Yeah, so I look at the witch wound in the context of the wounded feminine. Mm -hmm. And if we look at the three phases, the the three most common phases Mm -hmm. are the maiden mother crone. Yep. Those are the three phases of, and it's interesting because we say those are the phases of the moon and these are the phases of the feminine. And so I like to label it as um, sister wound, mother wound, witch wound. <laughs> and then we could actually sneak in there a fourth phase. Because if yeah. you look at the phases of the moon, there aren't three, there's four. Yeah. And that fourth one, I believe is the enchantress. And I forgot who first told me this. It was probably a sister um, Mm -hmm. who was first telling me about the enchantress. Um, And actually it was, it was my friend, Nicole, because this is exactly where she's at. And it's kind of that stage between mother and crone. Yeah. And this is when women are really in their, um, they're no longer so it's like kind of the empty nester but she might she might still be bleeding mm-hmm. and she um isn't quite at that like retirement age and she's actually still got a lot of shakti energy and mm-hmm. she doesn't have to be putting that towards mothering yes right and so there's this new way that she can reclaim that Shakti and that sexual energy and really come into her power. And so when we think about the word enchantress, it's also like sorceress Mm -hmm. and there's also a witch quality. Mm -hmm. So witch could potentially be that phase. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, I mean, it depends on when we have babies, right? But it could be like in your forties or fifties when you're kind of a little bit in your prime. Mm -hmm. And I think in our society, right? We are so afraid of aging. Yes. And there is so much pressure on making sure you still look young and doing your Botox and your fillers and all the things, you know, and so we start to go into this judgment of like, oh, I'm looking old and oh, I'm going to dry up soon. And oh, you know, and it's like we have an opportunity to actually reclaim the power 
of our wisdom at this age and the power of our bodies and and our sexual energy uh, and our magic, because really the enchantress is very much connected with her magic. And these are all archetypes. So they all live within us, the maiden, the mother, the enchantress and the crone, even if we're not in that phase of our life. I know I have access to my maiden, my inner child, and I have access to my inner crone, the woman who has that that part of me that knows without any possibility that I could ever know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think archetypes are such powerful um powerful energies for us to be empowered for us to be connected to our power because these are all parts of us and some of them are more online and some mm-hmm. of them are a little bit hidden mm-hmm. right and so we can cultivate these archetypal energies through various things we can listen to songs or listen to stories connect with images um, of women who embody that archetype to connect with that. Um, there's all kinds of ways that we can actually activate that energy. And that's something that we do at Sistership Circle mm-hmm. for women to really connect with who they're being as feminine leaders by bringing some of this archetypal energy online that might be dormant. Yes. So if you are interested in archetypes at all, I highly recommend you check out sistershipcircle.com. It's just an amazing wealth of information. Okay. Let's start to unpack these wounds and the differences Mm. between them. So the sister wound, which is one that I feel I know very well, unfortunately. Um, Can you tell us what a little bit about what that is? Yeah. The sister wound is essentially where we have felt betrayed or hurt by another girl. And this is why I kind of put it more with the maiden, because typically Mm -hmm. it starts when we're really young. And it was that sleepover where we weren't invited or a blood sister was beating up on us as a little girl. And so we made these, uh, these, uh, these stories and these beliefs that girls, women aren't safe. And that friendship sometimes can be really challenging and that groups of women are dangerous. So this is one of the big things that we're constantly working on at Sistership Circle is circle is safe. And how do we create that sacred sisterhood versus the sister wound? And if we look at that, like how sister wound is related to which wound mm-hmm. is that it's said that many women turned in other women Mm. and said, Hey, that woman down the street is a witch to save her own butt. So we have that kind of ingrained in us, that conditioning that we turn each other in, we backstab, right? We betray each other. Uh, And so we've come up with these seven different wounds, um, competition, comparison, cattiness, judgment, um, betrayal, you know, the different ways that we can really wound each other as sisters. Mm-hmm. So for our, our listeners, I just want to invite us all to like take a breath here and notice what's coming up for us around the sister wound, because I feel some activation happening in my heart center. Um, and just tending to that part of ourselves that feels mm-hmm. that hurt and acknowledging it. Um and what what are some ways that we can begin to heal the sister wound? 
I was just going to say, let's talk a little bit about how we can heal that and put a a healing balm on it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think is good for all of the different wounds is, um, is celebration. Mm -hmm. And as women, we really haven't been taught to celebrate ourselves and to celebrate one another. But like, if you're feeling jealous of another woman, for example, to shift that into what can I celebrate about her? What's the attribute that she has that I want? Because that's what's underneath jealousy, right? Or if we're in competition, it's like, well, there it really is no competition at the end of the day because there's what? Seven plus billion people on this planet. There is enough to go around. <laughs> and even if we're in the same town and we're both, let's say, midwives, we're going to have a completely different style. So if I can celebrate my unique gifts and focus on what I do well and get that I have a unique medicine that my people need, and you have your unique medicine that your people need, Mm -hmm. there really is no more competition, Mm -hmm. right? So I believe that that celebration piece of celebrate your own gifts, celebrate your sisters, let's focus on what makes us unique can help us to alleviate um, and soothe that, put the soothing balm, you know, on that wound. I want to take a beat here. And I want to tell you about um, an archetype that I've started to cultivate in my own self. And that is my inner sister. So we talk about the archetype of the inner mother or the inner child. So I've started to really access my own inner sister, which is this really this part of me that loves me so much and knows me intimately and is really able to hold space for me, but has a different quality of space holding than the mother. She's a little more like, come on, let's do this, where for me, the mother is like, all loving and ushy and gushy and that golden quality. Um, the inner sister is like, I will hear you and I will love you with a, a assertiveness that um, I really need. And my, and my inner sister speaks to me through the voice of often my most beloved girlfriends my chosen sisters. So I just want to also invite our listeners to maybe tap into their own inner sister. I even find myself wanting to sit up a little bit straighter as she is more activated, you know? So, okay. So the sister wound, what about the mother wound? Speaking of mother. Yeah. So really this is about our disconnection with the mother energy, the divine mother energy. We could call her the great mother divine mother, cosmic mother, mother earth, and how we get disconnected through that is typically through our own mothers. Mm -hmm. And that's because it was passed through the generational line, the ancestral lineage for women to, I mean, it's just, it's like, how far back does that go? And so we keep passing this on that, you know, to have that disconnection with the great mother. And, um, and so mother wound then can show up as, I mean, that's so many, so many things that that can show up as, um, what I really recommend all throughout a resource here is mm-hmm. Bethany Webster. Yes. I she love her. is the person to go to 
for mother wound. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think you should have her on the podcast. I will do it. I will do it. The inner mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also Juanita Robertson. Okay. uh, So fabulous in terms of her work on many mothers and how um, it's not just one mother, but most of us were, you know, there's, there's, there's many mothers that have impacted us. Um, But what I like to also focus on is shifting away from mother wound and, and going into mother learning. Mm. What did I learn about being a woman from my mother? And in our most formative years from zero to seven years old is the way we learn is through imitation. And so we're learning from what our mother says. So we're through listening and also through witnessing. What is she doing? What what am I watching her do? And that is how we're learning about what it means to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of, I like this better. And my one of my best friends, Anat Perry, um, this is also like the core of her teaching because it's taking this like, what my mother did to me and like a character attack on her, which our mothers were doing the best they can in this patriarchal culture, right? Like this is passed on through generations. And for us to, you know, act as victim to our mothers, if they did something malicious to to us, and yes, there may have been horrific things that your mother did to you, uh, it puts us back in that place of empowerment mm-hmm. and kind of, it doesn't let her off the hook, but it allows us to kind of separate out of being the victim and instead step into our power of, oh, wow, look at the patterns, look at the beliefs that I learned from my mother, that she learned from her mother, that is part of the patriarchal culture. And this is not who I am. This is what I learned. Mm -hmm. And if I learned it, I can unlearn it and I can learn something new. Mm -hmm. That's the mantra that I like to use. And that puts me again in that place of power and empowerment versus being victim of being wounded by my mother. Yes. It's almost like it's not my mother wound. It's the mother wound, like the collective mother wound. It's something that is just in the ether is because of our ancestry. Yeah. Okay. And then we have the witch wound. So unpack that one for us. Yeah. So the witch wound, I think is, so we can look at it from the lens of the enchantress and the crone and, and both really. Mm -hmm. So the witch is portrayed as the ugly old hag great example this is someone to look up is baba yaga Mm -hmm. and she is a slavic witch that ate little children but she's extremely powerful when we could kind of get past that but there's like that she's a recluse and she lives out in the in the forest and she eats children and you know and she's ugly and she's that you know and all that of the eight so it's like instead of really seeing that the crone is the wise woman. She has this deep, deep wisdom from her experience, but also from her connection with the earth. And so the witch is the one who's really connected with 
the spirit of plants and animals and you know she's connected with the magic of life right and just being able to create potions mm-hmm. right um is essentially like understanding plant medicine mm-hmm. <laughs> and then ritual is simply you know magic is um just intention, like putting our focus on an intention. So it's not, and you know, and so yes, we can create bad potions and we can, you know, have these um, black magic, you know, ways of hurting people, but witchcraft and a good witch is only doing this for the common good of all, right? She's not intentionally trying to use magic to hurt anyone. Um, and she's really doing this because she's a healer. She's a medicine woman, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then the enchantress is also like the witch understanding um, the power of her sexuality and her voice, right? And that's where we started with this conversation. And so where we get cut off, where we feel like we can't speak our truth, that what we have to say doesn't matter, and where we're disconnected from our sexual energy and we think our blood is wrong and we think mm. our vaginas are ugly and, you know, and all the things that we've been told is that sex is dirty and your body's dirty and it's gross and all the things that make you woman um, mm. should be um, sanitized, yes. <laughs> essentially, right? So, um, you know, I think part of reconnecting with the witch is reconnecting with the enchantress also reconnecting with the wild woman mm-hmm. so when we think of baba yaga out in the woods the wild woman the woman who runs with the wolves amazing book mm-hmm. other resource for everyone um the wild woman is completely stepped out of the box she's out of the cage she's you know listening to her own drumbeat and she's not um, confined by what society tells her she should do. And she's no longer feeling like she has to be the good girl. She's authentically herself. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways I know there's like been books written on ways to heal this wound, the witch wound, the enchantress wound. What is a nice resource for healing in this area? I know there's so many. What's your go to? Yeah, well, I just did one. <laughs> so we have a uh, an outline that we just created. Um, so we did a workshop. It's two hours and I'm taking everyone through it. And then we actually give you the outline as well. But there's a really powerful transmission that I do. Um, and so we could put that into the show notes. Yeah, let's do that. We want people to go and and find that. Um, sistershipcircle.com slash product slash HWW, which is healing witch wound. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really powerful on that call. We had a woman who was sharing very vulnerable. And then we come back to the main room because that we went to small groups and that was on the main recording. And so I said, how is everyone? She thought she was on mute, but she said, take ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, oops. I'm like, no, we're going to, this is the witch wound right here. And so I guided her back into her body and 
helped her to regulate her nervous system. It was so powerful to actually have it come alive on the call and how it impacted everyone. And then taking everyone into this transmission to reclaim your voice, to let go of all that pain that we're holding onto through the ancestral line. So yeah, I think it's a great, great resource that I'm, I'm very proud of creating. And, um, and this is why women's circles are so important yes. and so valuable because we don't heal in a vacuum. Like we do our, some of our best healing inside of community, which is where we create bonds and belonging and sisterhood. So yeah, another plug for sistership circle there. Okay. Is there any last dangles that we haven't talked about yet? I think we covered a lot of territory. We did. We covered so much. Yeah. Everything from the sister wound to the mother wound to the witch wound and all the different archetypes that those can take up. So if you're interested in um, learning more about embodiment, uh, Tanya is my greatest teacher when it comes to embodiment. So you can check her out and we'll have all those resources for you in the show notes. And my last question for you, Tanya, is... What is an empowering action you'd like to invite our listeners to take? Yeah. First thing that's coming to mind is speaking your truth. Mm. And that can be really hard because of the wish wound, which we talked about, right? And so you can be feeling that constriction in the throat. And so... One thing is to just bringing loving energy to your throat chakra mm. and just, you know, whether you're petting your throat or just bringing loving touch can be so powerful. Mm. And the more that we can nurture ourselves just with that soothing self touch, right? We can then become more empowered. So whether it's giving yourself a hug or just, you know, putting your hands and gently stroking your throat and, um, and, and starting to speak your truth more often, even if, uh, even if you feel yourself starting to shut down, the more that we practice, the more confidence that we get. So every time we speak up, Mm. when we feel like shutting down, when we, would you know it feels easier to suffer in silence we're breaking the chain we're breaking those patterns and then we gain more confidence to speak again so. I, I really want to highlight what you said there about regulating ourselves so whether that's petting or giving ourselves a hug or doing some toning that that when it comes before doing the thing that takes you into your um discomfort zone, which is where growth happens, allows you to enter that discomfort zone from a place of regulation rather than my body is totally freaked out and I'm just going to use my willpower to do that thing that makes me uncomfortable. That doesn't really work because we're we're women and we have these bodies that are so intuitive. So if we can hear our own bodies when they're talking to us and respond compassionately to them, we're much more likely to feel empowered and then choose actions from that place. So I'm so glad you said that. 
Okay. Thank you, Tanya. Again, Mm. check out the show notes for all the details that we shared today on our call. And Tanya, I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you. Today's episode was produced by Brendan Lindsay. Intro and outro music are by Matthew Randolph. I'm Isabel Bridges, author of Daddy Daughter Day. I'm also the founder of the Mother's Empowerment Sisterhood. You can learn more about my work and join the sisterhood at isabelbridges.com. offering a 50% off discount for a limited time only. So check it out today, isabelbridges.com.